This is Invest Talk. Independent thinking, shared success. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Friday, January 13th, 2023 edition of Invest Talk. And we have just finished up the second trading week of the new year. And I know it is Friday the 13th, but don't be scared. Uh, you know, the market has started off the year well so far. But as with anything, you can't just take a short period of time and extrapolate it forward and expect that to continue. It's going to have its bright spots for the year and it's going to have uh, some tough times. Why? Because we know that the economy is evolving, both from a secular perspective, meaning deglobalization, reshoring manufacturing, etc. And also cyclically. Right? Secularly, there's some bright spots. Cyclically, we're in a slowing economic environment. That means a lot of crosswinds that you have to take into account. And just like anything, you can't be dogmatic about your viewpoints. You need to be flexible, have an open mind. If you don't have an open mind, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. Because the market's going to do what it wants to do. It doesn't care what you think. So ultimately, you need to be flexible. Because guess what? The market's flexible. The market's always looking around the corner and saying, what's next? Is it positive surprise or is it negative? So you need to be doing the same thing. And if you're stuck in your ways, if you're always bullish or always bearish, you're going to be on the wrong side a lot. One of my favorite quotes is, strong opinions loosely held. Right? You can have strong opinions based on facts and really rely on those facts to keep your conviction. But you have to be honest when the facts excuse me, when the facts change. Facts on the ground. So what I'm here to help you do is to get a lay of the land and help you make good investment decisions consistently with the right mindset. So I'm Justin Klein. I'm here on this radio show and podcast to help you build the right portfolio strategies for you, for your goals and your risk tolerance level. The phone line is always open 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 888-99-CHART. So we have a lot of material for you today. One is my focus point on profits and losses of one of the largest banks in the world, with JP Morgan. 
And then some of the other banks that also reported today. And we have some more bank earnings on Tuesday. Remember, Monday is a holiday. MLK Day is Monday. So market won't be open. So we'll get back to it on Tuesday. And that's where you'll get even more fall through from the earnings season, which is just kicking up into gear. And that brings me to my other topics. One is on not just earnings, but margins. What are margins doing? Remember, it's all about revenue and expenses. So we're going to look at that. And then the SEC is suing Genesis and Gemini Trust Company, two crypto lending programs. And uh, it's, a, it's a good story. It's a good lesson for everyone out there to not simply believe everything they hear. And if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. So we're going to look at that. And, and lastly, is Goldman Sachs struggling with its consumer banking business? We're going to look at that. So a lot of bank talk, earnings talk today, uh, which will be important because that's where, that's what will determine in a big way what the market will do for the first half of the year is how rough of an earnings season will we have uh, over the next six months or so. All right. Now, time permitting, uh, I'll also get to our voice bank questions. One is in regards to Caterpillar and the other Target. And it's a Friday, so we'll share some highlights from the newest KPP Premium newsletter. So we've got this all planned for you on this episode of Invest Talk. So give us a call at 888-99-CHART, <clears throat> chart, which is our number one goal, is answering your live calls. Now let's take a look at the market today. It was a modest update. We had S&P up about 16 points, closed right at pretty much the 4,000 mark on the S&P. Uh, certainly up into some resistance, so we'll see if we can break through that next week. But we had the CPI number yesterday that came in about as expected. Market was fine with it. Uh, we're pretty locked, pretty much locked in at a quarter point rate increase uh, in a few weeks when the Fed meets. So it'd be, uh, I think it's two weeks from Wednesday. Yeah. And uh, overall, uh, we're still expecting a choppy period, but right now we have some side in the cards uh, as more money is allocated in the new year. All right. That was the market today. Gold had a nice fall through to the upside. We had. Interest rate, the 10-year, up about six basis points, finding support right around the 3.4% rate. Uh, could we get a, another push back towards 4% or higher in the 10-year? I think that could be the case as we start to pivot towards uh, what the Fed will do over the next couple of meetings. I think that's, uh, that's the next thing the, the, the market's really going to be focused on is not just this, this quarter, this Fed meeting, but what about the next one? Okay. Now we're heading into a quick break. I welcome your finance and investment questions now. No questions too simple or too complex. You set the agenda. So give us a call now at 800-557, sorry, excuse me, 888-99-CHART. Hey, 
In today's world, a variety of factors are affecting the stock markets. Serious investors know building a secure financial future requires hard work and determination. That's why now, more than ever, when it comes to the planning, execution, and maintenance of your portfolio, you need InvestTalk. With total downloads nearing 50 million, each InvestTalk podcast should be one of your key financial planning and educational tools. InvestTalk is a free download, and hosts Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to provide their unbiased guidance and professional analysis developed from real-time data research and years of investing experience. 24-7, rain or shine, during smooth sailing or on rough weather days, the InvestTalk listener line is open and waiting for your questions. You set the agenda. Don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. One of the most rewarding things I do each weekday is host the InvestTalk podcast. I truly enjoy helping investors. And I know that every question counts and every answer I provide will be unbiased. You, the caller, get to chart the course for each InvestTalk podcast. Call with your questions anytime, day or night, 888-99-CHART. Hi, this is Justin in Sparks, Nevada. I bought Target about nine months ago, and it's been going down quite a bit. And just asking if it's something that will recover or if I just bought it way too high, and it's just going to continue to go down. Just didn't know if I should sell it and move on, but... If everything I sell just goes up after I sell it. So I don't really want to do that unless you think it's going to continue to go down. Just let me know what you think. Thank you. All right, looking at Target. And, you know, it's been in a downtrend. Mainly because consumer spending has been in a downtrend. We know that. The company was over-earning. A lot of the retailers were over-earning in 2020 and 2021 into, uh, 20, uh, into last year. And that fueled, uh, you know, that was fueled by a lot of uh, spending by consumers with who had a lot of checks in their uh, in their uh, in their mailbox, and now it's retrenching as those checks were consistent, and people are now able to go out to dinner, go on vacations, etc. So less things to go buy. Earnings for Target with five dollars and thirty nine cents in twenty nineteen. Last year, thirteen dollars and fifty six cents a share. But earnings this year is supposed to fall fifty six fifty nine percent, excuse me, to five dollars and fifty three cents. So pretty much a full round trip to pre pandemic levels. That's a hundred sixty four dollar stock. Remember, we're in a mean reverting economy. What's happening right now? And so you almost have to throw out earnings for 20, you know, the, the two, two and a half years post pandemic. Because those were anomalies. And so everyone thinks everything's going to hell in a handbasket. It's really just the meaner version. Now, pre pandemic, Target was trading around $100 a share. Around 20 times earnings. It's probably where this will mean revert. So it's rallied, but I would be selling it because I do think it's probably headed closer to $100 per share. 
That's at 164. Okay. Let's go to Richard in the Bay Area. He wants to talk about mortgages. Um, hey, Justin. I have a couple of questions about mortgages and especially shopping for mortgages. Okay. Um, number one is when is, when is it a good time to shop for mortgages? Is it uh, before you identify the place that you want to buy or afterwards? Um, and then the other thing is, uh, what specific questions to ask um, uh, the mortgage houses? Because they give you like different numbers. So is it like just cleaner to ask the rate and the closing cost, or like what is the terminology for things to ask so that you can compare? Well, you want to get pre-approved, and and you want to um, you know, do that before you identify the property. Uh, you know, every it depends on if you're going through a bank, you're going through a mortgage broker. Obviously, you want to talk about points, closing costs, things like that, um, and, and make sure those are clear and concise. Um, now, the rate that you're going to get is going to fluctuate based on the market. Right now, the average 30-year fix is around 6%, a little over 6%. Uh, but that depends on the area, depends on your credit score, depends on a lot of different factors. Uh, now. A, if you have a good relationship with the bank and they and they have a very uh, clear view of your financial picture, then it, it oftentimes and it's a competitive bank, right? Uh, you, you can get some good rates there. Uh, if you go with a mortgage broker, the process is a little more cumbersome, but they can shop around for the best rate for you if you have a good mortgage broker that knows what they're doing and and they're they're uh, everything's above board. Um, but you definitely want to do the legwork beforehand. And in this environment, you, you want to be patient, you want to get pre-approved and you want to be able to fire on opportunities as they present themselves. You don't want to rush into it. Um, and, and so, um, I hope that helps. Uh, I know it's a, it's a complex time to, to be getting a mortgage. Uh, but you, you definitely want to just be asking a lot of those, those questions of costs and, and, um, uh, and, and the like, and so you can go into the process uh, eyes wide open. Make sense, Richard? Yeah, it does. It's just very. There's a lot of variables. Uh, if you don't know exactly what um, property you're gonna buy, so it's really hard to shop around because everybody's gonna give you very different. Um, there's a lot of variables to compare between mortgage uh, mortgage houses. Uh, so yeah. that's. That's what doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Well, how if I'm gonna shop for a mortgage uh, house? Um, it sounds to me like it would be better to do it when I identify the property. But as you said, that's a very short time to shop around. Yeah, it is a short time, and you want to be able to you want, you want to, be able to know what you can afford, right? You want to get pre-approved so that you are ready to go because you could say, "Oh, I I, I like this property." But what if you can't get approved for that or it takes longer and then the process takes longer? So um, I, I would do it well beforehand so that you're not guessing on what you can be approved for. Thanks for the call. Now we're heading to a break. I welcome your finance and investment questions now at 888-99-CHART. It's a new year. 
But you've got finance and investment questions, so Justin Klein is here and ready to take your calls live. Invest Talk 888-99 Chart. Now we had our first major earnings report out today, uh, and that was in regards to J.P. Morgan, the largest uh, U.S. bank, and they topped expectations. So most of the banks that reported today, we did have a, a bunch. We had we had Citigroup, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, but J.P. Morgan is certainly the biggest and probably the most important, and has the biggest, uh, the best view into the economy as a whole. Now, interest income at the bank was up 48% on higher rates and loan growth. And you might focus a lot on the higher rates, but I focus more on the loan growth because that's most mo what's most important for the economy. And it's what most people don't pay attention to. In 08, we had a financial crisis. We didn't just have a recession, we had a financial crisis. And that crisis was precipitated mainly by banks not lending, right? They just stopped. And that always happens to a degree in a recession. But there are banks that retrench, that made bad bets, etc. But when they all do it all at once, that's when you have a financial crisis. And that's kind of what happened in 08. Now, what's good so far is that the banks are continuing to lend. And they see those higher rates as pretty juicy. And profits jumped 6% year over year. It's about $3.57. Revenues were up 17%. Net interest income itself is up $20 billion. So that's the positive. But what's the negative? There's always a negative. And banks are complex. There's always two sides of the coin. They posted about $2.3 billion for credit losses in the quarter. That's up 49% from the third quarter. And estimates were for that to come in just shy of $2 billion. So definitely was higher than had been expected. And now their base case is a mild recession. Frankly, that's our base case as well. They see a modest deterioration in the firm's macroeconomic outlook. They think unemployment could reach about 4.9% this year. And 4.9? Much higher than it is today, but not a catastrophe. You know, oh, hey, we were double digits. And the stock was up, even though those credit provisions I talked about were larger than rivals Bank America and Wells Fargo. So that's where that's where banks kind of came in in general, right? Higher loan provisions for defaults likely going to happen with a weakening economy, a, a, a mean reverting economy. That's really what I what everybody should be thinking of it as. Just as we're getting back to normal life and the way it was before in a lot of ways so is the economy and so when you compare it against a juiced up overstimulated economy well it's not going to look as good 
It's understandable. So that was that was JP Morgan's earnings. And we'll get more data out of the banks and other corporations next week. Now on Fridays, we generally like to make a make time to fit in a quick rundown of key benchmark numbers as we end the week. Now two-year treasury yield was about flat. Last week it was about 4.25. This week it's 4.22. So down about three basis points there. Nothing too crazy. Still well above where it was 55 weeks ago at 0.64%. So we've kind of been oscillating here uh, roughly for the past two or three months, uh, right around this four and a quarter, four and a half rate on the short term uh, uh, rate market, reflecting a Fed that is pretty close to done with rate hikes, even though we're going to get another one in February. Now, the 10 year was at 3.55. That was down seven basis points on the week and still well above the 1.76% we were at 53 weeks ago. Still remain kind of in the trading range as well. Gold is at 1920, up from 1868 announced last week. And we are starting to break above some key resistance levels and definitely some. Uh, nice moves in the gold market as well as silver market. That was at 24, spot 28 per ounce at the close of this week. Last week, it closed at 23.88. So up about a percent and a half on the week and continues to march higher. About 25 weeks ago, it was down at 18.64. Now we're at 24.28. So nice move over the past three or four months in the precious metal space. Oil settled, at, settled in at 79, spot 82, up from $73.78 last week. And we looked like we found good support and oil starting to march higher. The national average for gasoline, $3.28, down a penny from last week. Here in California, it's at $4.41, down three cents from last week. So pretty interesting numbers out, higher commodity prices, interest rates kind of flat overall, down a tick. On the week. Now it's Friday. The weekend is here, or almost here. In the meantime, you must have finance and investment questions for me. You set the agenda. So give me a call now at 888 chart Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture. I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value. So your special skill set is within easy reach.
You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, Stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck, because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Let's head over to Manhattan Beach, just a little ways uh, north of me, and talk to Nick. He wants to talk about SITM. Hi, Justin. Yeah, uh, the company is called SciTime. Uh, they sell um, microelectrical mechanical oscillators, um, which are, you know, they're designed using fabrication techniques. It's, it's a semiconductor company, essentially. Uh, it's a small cap. They've been growing rapidly um, over the course of their history, um, have come down pretty sharply from their peak uh, in 2021. And the chart's looking good. Um, I've done some research. Uh, management team is very solid and mission-focused, and I think this could be a long-term good investment at a, a low, low market capitalization right now. Um, but I would like your opinion on the financial fund- fundamentals. Thank you. All right. This is in the semiconductor fabrication business. It looks like they're making timing solutions, silicon timing system solutions. So they are part of the, the process, it looks like, uh, to develop and design the chips. Looks like, hmm, 
I don't know why you say that chart looks good. It's definitely been a downtrend since the beginning of 2020, which makes you, which which aligns with the whole semiconductor space and a lot of the growthier names. Um, and, and it was growing dramatically during the pandemic as capacity was ramping up for production of new chips. But that's ebbing in a big way. Earnings this year, or last year, is supposed to come in at $3.57. But this year, it's supposed to be down 48% to $1.87. And pre-pandemic, they were losing money in 2019, losing money in 2018, made a little bit of money in 2017, but didn't really have a great history of profitability. Still does, if I'm being honest. So, yeah, it was growing, but how much is this simply a product of the pandemic? ramping up production to fill the chip shortage and how much of this is real durable profitability i think very little so yeah the chart has rallied from a low in october of around seven dollars seventy dollars and now it's at 106 but it's still well down from the 340 it was trading at in december of 2021 uh, and it's in, it remains in a downtrend. I don't see any reason to get excited about this name, to be honest with you. Unless I know something about their technology that makes it amazing. No. And price-to-sales ratio is about nine times. Too expensive. So I'm passing on SITM. Let's go to Will in San Diego looking at AMLP, Alarian MLP, which we discussed yesterday. Do you have a follow-up question? Oh, uh, yes. I'm just wondering if it's now is a good time to get into this. Uh, you know, what do you think? Well, we talked about this yesterday. Uh, it's a bit overbought in the short, short term. Uh, you know, we, I have no problem with the Alarian MLP as a small percentage of the portfolio. The biggest issue I have with masculine partnerships, most of these are energy plays, but they're not pulling the energy out of the ground. What they're doing is they own the infrastructure to get to the energy, the oil and natural gas, typically from one place to another, from the wells to the end point where they go and sell it, they go uh, put it into uh, some sort of refining facility or something like that, right? Um, right. Now, the issue with that is that those are very capital intensive. Uh, most of them have a lot of debt in their balance sheet. And as the cost of debt goes up, well, suddenly that's going to bite into the bottom line. So right. if I'm looking in the energy space, these aren't the best setup for higher energy prices. They'll, they'll do well, they'll benefit from high energy prices, but I'd rather own a E&P, right? That mm -hmm. has very little debt, that is going to capture a ton of upside and margins once as prices rise over time. So I see. There's just in the energy space, I just don't love this part. Now, are they bad in general? No, they're not bad. I just rather have other alternatives. Now, can you have a little bit of this as part of your energy exposure? Sure. I have no problem with that. Uh, you know, because there can be different aspects. If 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 oil doesn't does kind of languish. You know, that, and, and, and interest rates don't take off as quickly as uh, some expect. Well, the the limited partnerships will benefit from that. 
Um, and yeah. so you have to take that potential risk into account, which uh, I, it's one of those areas where too many people chase yield. They're just after the yield. Oh, yield 6%, 7%. Well, guess what? There's a lot of EMPs that yield nearly that. They have much better longer-term dividend growth, uh-huh. upside earnings potential, and I'd rather own that for the most part. So is it bad to own? No, but I wouldn't go overboard with it. Okay. Thanks a lot. No problem. Thanks for the call. Now, the KPP Premium Newsletter was finished up today, and it will be distributed to subscribers tomorrow morning. So I have a preview. Under the market conditions section, we explained that Goldman Sachs announced the intention to cut 3,200 jobs in the coming weeks. That figure equates to about 6.5% of their overall workforce. But as job cuts continue to sweep through the financial and tech sector, the JOLT data, Job Openings and Labor Turnover Survey, Reports for a month end in November suggest more positive news for the overall labor market. Job openings as a share of the labor force held steady at 6.4%, indicating that there's not a lot of cooling for demand for workers uh, in, uh, across the broad economy. Still seeing weakness, tech, financial, and the broad economy. Uh, December jobs uh, remain robust, creating about 223,000 jobs. Another Indicator for confidence in the jobs market, the quits level. And that was only, that's only ticked up to 2.7%. Not dramatic, but a little tick up there. Overall employment still is at a 53-year low at 3.5%. Now, the job market remains hot. Inflation cooled to 6.5% annualized and in line with analyst expectations, down from 7.1% in November. Core, that fell to 57 in December from 6% in November. Now the pullback in inflation as it reaches, the, the pullback in inflation as it reaches its lowest level since October 2021 is still far above the Fed threshold of about 2%. An annual survey or 1,000 executives done by the conference board suggests that 98% of CEOs believe there will be a recession this year, although short and shallow. The top concerns are inflation, recession, and labor shortages. Supply chain concerns that has fallen off the list of top top of mind issues for the world's corporate executives. Now, there's a lot more commentary details in the newsletter as well. We also have stock ideas, and we highlight one of the world's largest producers of acetic acid and its downstream derivative chemicals which are used in various end markets, including coating and adhesives. The company produces specialty polymers used in automotive, electronic, medical, and consumer end markets. Although there is expected to be a, an earnings contraction this year, fundamentals are still relatively strong with $22 per share in cash flow and a Ford P of just 10 and pays a dividend of 2.3%. We also look at a company that prides itself on a highly entrepreneurial culture and corporate constitution that outlines distribution of profits to various stakeholders. It's an automotive supplier that supplies exteriors, interiors, seatings, roofing systems, body chassis, powertrains, yields 2.8% and has strong cash flows and long-term growth. So we name those names in the newsletter. You can subscribe anytime at, I, at investtalk.com. 
Now let's play another question that came in earlier from Israel. Hey, Stephen Justin, this is Matan calling from Tel Aviv. We enjoy your show here very much. I'm calling today because I want to increase my portfolio exposure to the industrial sector. I got a small position in PACAR, and I'm looking to get into Caterpillar, ticker, ticker symbol CAT. It seems a bit overpriced at the moment, especially today when they reached their all-time high at 256. I remember in the past, Justin said that 155 is a good entry point. I would love to know what your thoughts are today. What would be a good entry point even for a half position? And your thoughts on holding Caterpillar for a long-term hold. Thank you very much. I'll listen to your answer every morning here on the show. Thank you, guys. All right. Looking at Caterpillar and when you say it's a bit overpriced, I would agree with that. Our value is closer to the 180s, and now it's at 258. So I would be patient on it. It is the largest producer of heavy equipment, power solutions, and locomotives. Uh, it's the largest manufacturer of heavy equipment. It has 13% market share as of 2021. It has four segments, construction industries resource industries, energy and transportation, and financial services. So the resource industries, obviously doing well, more mining, basically mining equipment. Energy transportation, also doing well. And the construction industries, some weakness there overall. But uh, really, this is a quality name. But you're just paying a, a hefty price here. If this can pull back now, you know, it's moved up and I don't expect it to get down to 155 anytime soon. On a pullback around 200, it would still be, you know, roughly fairly valued in that in that area, uh, but that would be major support. So uh, I probably wouldn't be jumping in right now, but I would continue to have it on my watch list. Thanks for the call. Let's touch a bit on margins as we go through earnings season and analysts' latest estimates for the fourth quarter, are for earnings to be down 2.2% year over year. Now, if you exclude the energy sector, which has earnings expected to be up 65% year over year, earnings are expected to be down 6.7%. That's excluding the energy sector. Now, a year ago, a year ago at this time, Analysts were expecting fourth quarter earnings for the S&P to be up 14.3%. So you can see how throughout the year, they've been slowly, slowly downgrading that to a tune of 16.5% to the downside. Sales growth continued to weaken throughout the year and costs rose faster than those sales. And that means tighter margins. Now, in the fourth quarter, our margins are expected to be operating margins. They're expected to be at 12.1%. That's down from 13.4% in the fourth quarter of 2021. And you're going to say, well, that's not good. Well, that's only a short period of time, right? One year, you're looking at uh, a trend. But longer term, margins tend to be much lower than that. The fourth quarter of 2019, the first the, the full quarter 
before the pandemic, the S&P margin stood at 10.6%. And so there is likely a continued reversion to the mean. And that's what you're likely going to see here this year. It's not a whole lot of sales declines, but more margin pressure. Right now, analysts expect S&P 500 earnings will be 10.9% higher in the fourth quarter of this year versus the fourth quarter of last year. But sales only 3.9% higher. So analysts, you know, this is, I think, where the issue is, is that analysts are too bullish on those margins. We're in a mean reverting economy. So are we likely to see continued disappointment in earnings expectations going forward? Yes. The market's kind of used to that. They know, just like last year, that analysts are too optimistic. And so that margin pressure is probably what's going to bring down earnings overall as opposed to some major slide in sales. And then you factor in the fact that, just as JP Morgan said, mild recession ahead. And over the last 75 years, corporate profits as the share of GDP have slipped during nearly every recession. So the best outcome here is for earnings to be boosted by overseas economies, right? China reopening, Europe recovering. Europe had a very bad 2022. So just a modest improvement there uh, could go a long way. So we're heading into a quick break and I'm gonna get at the end of this break, I'm gonna get to I think our last caller and then my last focus point. So uh, give me a call now at 888-99-CHART. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley are ready to take on your finance and investment questions. So don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Hello, Steve and Justin. We're going to go to Joseph in the Bay Area. He wants to talk about Google. Yeah, I, uh, Justin, first, thanks for your... Um, Steve, educational uh, program. No and uh, I have a question regarding Google. Okay. And um, it is coming down from low 80s and just, you know, just right now it's low 90s. Do you mm-hmm. believe this is uh, the end of the bottoming and going upward or? stabilizing in this area what is your opinion in the long term well in the long term google is some of the best franchises uh, of the fang names you know the popular fang index i've always said apple was number one the most durable franchise and business that is less cyclical than others google would be second except the problem is is that their business is so cyclical now, in previous down economies, online advertising were 
you know, very small percentage of overall ad spend. Now it's 60% of advertising. And so their prospects are going to ebb and flow with the overall economy. And that's why you've seen margins being squeezed. Revenue last quarter is only up 6%. Earnings were down 15%. Um, and so where is this going to mean revert? Analysts continue to see earnings going forward coming down. So until I see that that trend of analysts upgrading earnings expectations versus downgrading them, I'm going to be patient on Google. Not to mention, you know, money flowing out of the growthier side of the, the economy. Pre-pandemic made two dollars and forty-five cents. Analysts are still expecting next year to make five dollars and eighteen cents. The economy can be better six months from now than it was pre-pandemic. Probably not. Guess what? Interest rates are up. Companies that were spending a ton of money on ad spend, digital ad spend, and many of them losing money. There's a, there's a there was a huge push for companies to spend on advertising, get the top line up, and then sell based on some top line multiple. That's no longer a thing now. Now it's about profits and, and earnings. So they can't just justify all ad spend because of top line. Now it has to be true ROI. And so Google is getting more interesting, I will say that, around this $85, $90 level. But ultimately, I don't see major, major support until about 75. So that's the area that gets me interested uh, in Google. And I think it'll eventually get there. So I'm still patient. Thanks for the call. Now, lastly, let's touch a bit on some downstream impact of an economy where nobody paid attention to what was sustainable from an economic perspective. And that was especially true in the crypto world. Remember, I had callers that were saying, well, I'm getting 0% of my bank. This is 18 months ago, two years ago. And saying, why, why wouldn't I just put my money in this crypto exchange? Because they're going to pay me 8 or 9%, 10%. And I said, well, it sounds too good to be true. It probably is. And there's this thing called counterparty risk, which the average person usually doesn't know anything about. And that's who's paying that interest. Now, when you go put money in a bank and a CD that's FDIC insured, you're talking about an entity paying the interest that is backed by the federal government. It's a pretty strong counterparty. When you're dealing with companies like Genesis or Gemini, these crypto lending exchanges that were paying that much, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And in fact, they're being sued by the FTC over a $900 million crypto lending program that violated investor protection laws. And this is likely to push some of the major companies into bankruptcy, such as Genesis. They laid off 30% of their staff last week and are considering filing for bankruptcy. So when you see yields drastically higher than the safe yields in your bank, it's a red flag. It could be a red flag. Why is that? What are the risks? Now, maybe sometimes the risks are worthwhile. But more often than not, they're not.
Well, I'm Justin Klein, with another Invest Talk program, Steve Peasley, and I thank you. You can get your downloads anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, and be sure to rate and review. Now, the market will be closed on Monday, and we will have an all-new Best of Color Question Compilation podcast for you, and we'll return on Tuesday with a live show. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Enjoy your long weekend. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights.